Hello, everyone. It's the weekend. I don't know when you are listening to this podcast, but it's the weekend where I am. So I'm in my jammies. It's 430. And I'm going to roll into tonight with nothing to do, which is really fantastic. So I wanted to talk to you before I introduce the guest for today um, about my life coaching, because I get some messages sometimes when then people say, I didn't even know you did coaching. And so I wanted to just run through some of what I offer. So part of the life coaching program that I do is is based around changing your habits, changing your mindset, and really going after your dreams. And I link arms with you. Um, I have a very limited number of one-on-one clients, and I basically become your best or not so best friend (laughs) for a period of time. And we really work through the concerns you have. We work through the things that are keeping you stuck. We help you find um, the brands of nonsense that you need to get rid of in order to move forward. So from the lifestyle coaching that I do, I, I have parts that we talk about your career, your love, your body, your nutrition, Um, your exercise. I write your training plan. If you have a race, if you just want to get leaner, all of that from soup to nuts, I truly become a part of your life. There's daily accountability. Literally, you talk to me every day if you're doing your part of the job and you can communicate via text, via email, and then we have Zoom calls weekly. So if you're interested in learning more about my life coaching and working one-on-one with me, please send me an email. You can just email me at yearofnononsense at gmail.com or go to my website, swimbikemom.com forward slash coaching to learn more. I do have a limited number of spots available at the moment. So if you're interested, let me know. And on to our show. Today's guest is Allison Bird. She is known as the Profit Accelerator. And she is celebrated as one of the world's most trusted leadership advisors and sales experts for entrepreneurs and small business owners. Today, she and her team, ex- team executive, produce exclusive virtual memberships, communities for influencers with online audiences over a million in reach. So her clients together generate a collective 33 million plus in sales annually. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. She and her team have coached 700. 700- 7,500, sorry, 7,500 entrepreneurial leaders to create $260 million in new revenue over the last nine years. She has been featured on CNN, USA Today, NPR, MSN, Essence, and Entrepreneur.com. I really enjoyed this episode with her. She is fantastic, beautiful, kind, funny, and you will just love her. So enjoy this episode with Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Bird, B-Y-R-D, Allison Bird, coming up now. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. I'm very excited about our guest today. Allison Bird is here. She is known as the Profit Accelerator. So I'm very excited for her to tell her story and get us fired up about, you know, accelerating some profit. I mean, that sounds great, Allison. Welcome. I'm really excited to be here with you. Where do we start? Let's start with that puppy dog in the background. Wait, or is that a cat? Oh, my little bird baby king. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so cute. So cute. He is my my sweetheart. He had a sister. Her name was Duchess Grace. Oh. And when Duchess came into my life, she's such a great story uh, because she ascended. We use the word in our family, ascend, instead of died or passed away. I like it. She ascended at five. We found out that she was sick when I came home from a trip. She had, she always stayed with our neighbors. Both dogs did. And I came home from a trip and when I picked her up, she belched and it smelled so terrible. I'd never smelled anything like it ever in my life. And I went, Oh my God. And then over the next few days, she would belch and vomit, belch and vomit, belch and vomit. And I took her to the doctor and, uh, the doctor called me that afternoon and said, Allison, her, her, I want to say it's her like creatinine levels. Um, basically her kidney was in insane failure. And at a mm. young dog age like that, she was only three. She was tiny. He said she had to have been born with this. Oh, and he said, the smell that you're smelling is her unprocessed food. He was telling me about it. And he said, my recommendation is if you don't want to spend a ton of money with a specialist, my recommendation is that you uh, put her to sleep. I got the number of the specialist. We went to the specialist. The specialist told me this is what needs to happen. Basically kind of endorsed what the doctor said. I went home, Meredith, and I said to King and Duchess both, both fur babies, both Maltese Shih Tzu, uh, came from two different litters, but they're, uh, they were siblings. And I said, both of you came into my life because you knew you were meant for me and I was meant for you. I know that. And I'm crying so hard as I'm saying it. I'm sitting Indian style with both babies sitting in between my legs. And I said, Duchess, tell me what you want. Oh, no. Tell me what your soul is asking for, because I will give you whatever you want. And I have worked my ass off to make sure that if a situation like this came up for anybody in my life, I could take care of them. And you're that one for me. What do you need? Show me. Show me if you desire to live. And the next day I woke up and I Googled homeopathic, um, holistic, like just trying to find different vets, found one Meredith. And I think this story, the only reason I'm telling it is it's intuitively coming up. And I believe it's so relating to a lot of us. Um, and my fur baby never comes in the camera frame. 
He never does. <laughs> like he never does. His bed's right there. I don't know why he came in the frame. Um, and so uh I called the therapist, uh, or the the vet said, um, I'm sorry, we can't, you know, we're we have a waiting list almost a year. And I said, listen, this is what's going on with my dog. If there's any way. And they said, yeah, we'll let you know. They were really nice, but it seemed like nothing was going to happen. And Duchess had been, was getting really lethargic. It had been days at that point. And I said, Duchess, I asked you yesterday to tell me, I just need you to tell me. I go to the restroom. When I come back, I still have the video today. Her and King are ripping and running and pouncing at each other all around the house, growling, all the things. And she had not had the energy to do that at all. Mm -hmm. I knew that was my sign. Within days, the vet called me and said, I don't know why, but I feel like we need to take your dog. Bring her in. And we put Duchess on a whole foods meal plan. Um, I cooked her food every single week. Um, sweet potatoes, green beans, uh, turkey, like every week she had whole food. She lived another two years. And I believe that many of us have situations and circumstances dealt with, dealt to us like that, where the universe is asking in spite of what you've lived through or what you genetically came into, whatever family you came into, whatever circumstance you came into. I came into a family where my dad was beating my mother. I came into a family where my dad later went to prison. I came, I was born into those things. I was born black and in America and in the South in the seventies, which meant there was racial injustice that instantly came into my life as a result. And the universe was asking me, what do you want? What will you make of it? Where will you rise? How will you shape your reality? What will you change so that you can continue your existence and continue your existence in power? Mm. So when people ask me, who am I and what do I do in the world? I think that my bio tells a lot and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the features in USA Today. I'm grateful for the interviews with NPR. I'm grateful for being acknowledged on Forbes. I'm grateful for being known in almost 50 countries and helping entrepreneurial leaders create over $200 million in new revenue. I am grateful for those realities. Bigger than that, I am grateful that I was born into circumstances that were not the best. A silver spoon was not in my mouth but I found my rise. And as a result of that, I get to tell everybody who's looking at their circumstances, looking at sickness in their body or fear around their next launch or move or opportunity. And I get to say, if I could do it, so can you. I'm grateful that I'm a living testimony that we can all find our opportunities to do more, be more and create more in our world by simply being who we are. And so that's, that's who I like to say I am. I'm the mama of, of King. I'm the mama of Duchess who's ascended. And um, I live an extraordinary life simply by choosing extraordinary, small little decisions every single day to find a way to be great and kind and loving and sincere and authentic and real and driven by hope. Oh, 
That was good. Mm. <laughs> so good. So good. And I love what you said there. Well, there's like, I mean, I love like 10 things, but one about the circumstances where you come from creates who you are and gives you the opportunity to become who you are supposed to be. It is like your gift to have the circumstances you have because mm. it shapes you. And I mean, I look back on my life and um, there's no better term than like hot, stinking, steaming mess of me at like 24. Like it was just the craziest thing. I ate like two Whoppers every day. I drank like a huge thing of vodka. I went to law school. I like slogged through this life. Mm. But that's why I can talk about addiction today, why I can talk about growing, why I can talk about change. And, and I love that yeah, we can have these ridiculous <laughs> upbringings. We can have terrible things happen to us, but it's an opportunity. And I think that's what you hit on, that those experiences are the opportunity that forms us, that allows us to grow into who we are. And so I love that. And then I love that you said it's every day. It's the choices every day. Um, that's a big motto of mine is, is it's one step, one day at a time, and it's stringing it all together. And day after day after day of consistency that, that creates your, your growth. So, oh, I'm on fire. Okay. So um, what is it that you do like day to day for your, for your job? You're called the profit accelerator. So what is it that you, that you do and, and help people with? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I think about myself and what I do. I have a, someone that I started working with. And my, and my weight trainer told me he's known as a massage therapist, but he's really a body worker healer. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all have titles, but then we really do what we really do. I don't know that maybe that's true for an accountant. I mean, an accountant is like, <laughs> they do what you know, they do like, accounting. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to do the damn thing with the money. Um, <clears throat> but we played with the Profit Accelerator, my brand writer, um, who's been with me since 2012, wrote that in 2013. And she played with, do I spell it P-R-O-F-I-T or P-R-O-P-H-E-T? Oh, yeah. And the reason that she played with that is because every client of mine that she spoke with, Meredith, said to her, I feel like Allison sees my future bigger than I can. And then she tells me how to make it my reality. Mm. And ever since I've been a little girl, I had a superpower of just being able to just see the future. And um, when I was three, I recognized two gifts for myself. One was I loved money and I could make it. And the way that I made it at three is I would sell the free newspaper to the elderly in my community. <laughs> and my cousin said to me, I love your entrepreneurship, uh, but it's unethical. So what if you sell the delivery service <laughs> right. and got the free newspaper? So that's what I decided to do was to get it from the store and then walk around and sell the delivery for five cents, 10 cents, whatever. Oh, the that's funny. And I had the ability to articulate, to speak um, so much so that by the time I was five, I was knocking 13 year olds out of speaking competitions. Fast forward to today, 
what I do is I work with entrepreneurial leaders, women specifically. And the reason that I really started going toward women, initially I wasn't, I was, you know, for men and women, but then I recognized I had something to say to women. I recognized that women ran away from two things, their voice and the monetization of whatever their gift was. They ran away from it. So they wouldn't use their voice to its fullest capacity. So now I work with leaders to make sure that what their whatever their message is, that it is partnered with meaning to drive a movement, to build momentum and to attract more money. And then I work with women on their relationship with money, on Mm. being unapologetically rich and deciding what rich looks like for them. And I'm not just talking about rich in joy, rich in fulfillment, rich in happiness. I'm talking about your bank account got (laughs) some money in it. Right. So, you know, women would always tell me, yes, you know, I want to be rich in my relationships, rich in it, but do you want some money? (laughs) <laughs> do you, do you want some money? Like, do you want a car that works well for you? Do you want vacations a couple of times a year for you, for your family? You know, are your parents elderly? Would you like to make a difference for them financially? Is there a book that you'd like to write that you don't have enough fame or notoriety or followers, uh, to get a deal? So you'd like to self publish it. Uh, you know, two thirds of our world still lives on less than $2 a day. Do you have a desire for altruism or philanthropy, but you can't yet do that because you're still trying to take care of the four walls of your own home. And every woman would say, well, yeah, I'd like to do that. Then boo, you want to be a little bit rich. So (laughs) the money, honey. So that's what I do. And, um, it's a lot of fun. I founded a tech company with a partner about three years ago, bought me into great freedoms in my life. I still spend 85% of my time inside my tech company and 15% of my time working with women entrepreneurial leaders in whatever aspect I want to. And um, I get I get them to the meaning, the money, the message, the movement, the momentum that they desire. And most of who I work with are service-based business leaders, their coaches, their influencers, uh, their speakers, their authors. Um, they typically don't have like an actual product, like they're not mm-hmm. selling an eyeglass case or a water bottle or something like that. They're selling something that is conceptual and theoretical, and they have to position it in a way where people can buy in. And, and yeah, that's what I get to do. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of responsibility, and it brings me an intensive amount of fulfillment and purpose in my life. Yeah. Well, so when women tell you, I want to be rich in my relationships and and you finally boil it down to, Hey, you'd like to be rich too. Yeah. What is it that you found in your work that sort of keeps women from claiming that they want something like, is it because we think we won't get it? Is it fear? Like why, why does it take these processes for us to say, yeah, I want that. Give me that. Yeah, it depends on the generation in which they grew up. Mm. So they borrow the uh, belief that either money is not as important or that if you have money, that means that you don't have values or morals. You know, they might have borrowed that from the generation in which they grew up. They might have borrowed it from the gender. You know, when I work with uh, women that are Jewish or come from Asian cultures, things like that, women 
not allowed to be uh, the breadwinners. Not all. They might have grown up in a liberal home, but I'm just giving you general perceptions. Uh, black women, you know, the average net worth of a black woman in North America today is $5. So it's pretty common that a black woman, an indigenous woman, a woman of color is going to think pretty small when it comes to money. Um, they might've borrowed it from their religion. Their religion may have condemned, um, financial affluence. And, um, and so they may have borrowed it from that. They could have borrowed it from many different places. Uh, The culture is not really embracing of women having liberated dialogues around money and freedom around money. Uh, CNBC reported just a year ago that for women to step into the top 1% of being financially affluent, then they probably needed to be heterosexual and marry a man in order to do it. What the whole what? And the fact that that article still exists, the fact that nobody said anything, the fact that it didn't blow up, the fact that they've also reported that, um, that it's trendy for women now wanting to have financial independence, trendy and women trendy. financial ind- independence. Like, that what? trend's going to go away. We're going to get right back to our regularly scheduled colonialism. Exactly. Soon. <laughs> it shows where the world is. And wow. the, cons- the idea that women don't even make noise and erupt anger don't even riot or say anything about that shows where the collective of the woman is. So that's, that's where they borrow it from. And that's what holds them hostage and holds them captive to a smallness that they don't even know they're in. Yeah. So how do you help women begin to see better? Like when say they've created their dream. Okay. I, I want to be wealthy. I want to publish a book. I want to start um, a, a, a service company, like whatever they decide they want to do. Like how, what is the first step? I mean, obviously you set a dream or a goal, however you phrase it, but what, what then? I mean, is it, and where does fear stop us? Where do we kind of start? And then we're like, oh, never mind, I'm out of here. You know, like, how do you keep everyone moving? Because I think that that's, that's where I see people get stuck is there's a lot of motivation or yay in the beginning, I'm going to change my life. And, and then you start putting the plan into action and it's like kerplunk. <laughs> so how do you keep people going? Well, just like anything, you get them addicted. Mm, yeah, you get them addicted, and the best way to get them addicted is you get them a little, little win. So, for instance, if you say, if we could create an additional hundred thousand dollar revenue line, let's just say that that's a good number for them. I have some clients. If I said that, they wouldn't be interested because it's not big enough. But <laughs> you know, let's just say if I said, you know, if we could get you to revenue line and that's attractive to them. And then I said, you know, how much of that would you want to either, you know, tithe or make a charitable contribution? And they may say 10 or 20%. What would you do? Would you, where would you impact change? Tell me that. And I have them do a research project on where they're going to impact that change. It could be a third world country. It could be just in their inner city. The number of inner city children that don't have beds to sleep in is astounding. It is absolutely astounding. 
So they may, so we may go, okay, so then you're going to be able to provide 500 beds because it costs $2 to build a bed, whatever the number is. I'm making that up. You're going to provide 500 beds. So then I'm going to take them into a visualization to see those kids sleeping in bed, no longer on floors, no longer feeling unsafe, unsheltered. Like I'm going to take them into that visualization. And then now we're going to go, now they see it and they're more pulled on of a why greater than them. A lot of people say that their why is their kids, their husband, their family. I don't think anything's wrong with that. I just think that's more your who, that's more who you're really connected to. But your why, to me, would typically be external. It's typically going to be bigger like this. So I like to take them into that. And if I can get them visualizing and seeing it, and then I could say, okay, how long is it going to take us? Let's do a plan. And that roadmap might be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And then you mean to tell me in 90 days, we can have 500 kids with beds and you get to get pictures of that and you get to see that and you get to feel that. And you've promised yourself since you were a kid, you were going to change the world. And now we're 90 days away from you doing it. And then in 90 days, we really do do it. And you have the, you have the proof that you are a world changer. You didn't wait to be a Mahatma Gandhi. You didn't wait to be Martin Luther King. You didn't wait to be Mother Teresa. You became it now. Oh, now you're addicted. You got the book. So once we do that, because the world will be set free by women who are free and women will be more free when we give ourselves financial independence and liberation. And we are the ones that have vision for really changing the future. We carry that forward. So we can change the world in such a big way. So once we get them doing that, then they want to do it again. So it's like, okay, every 90 days, every quarter, you're going to do four world-changing things that only you can do. You're going to do this for any inner city. You're going to do this for third world. You're going to do this for uh, disparities among you know, uh, single mothers, you're going to do that, whatever that may be, you're going to do four. And then now they're striving toward that goal and they feel really fulfilled. They feel really honored. They feel really purposeful. Statistics tell us that 66% of people today feel like they are rudderless, unnecessary, without purpose. That's a statistic today, even with best-selling books like Purpose Driven Life, even with podcasts like yours and like everyone else's that say, you're necessary, you're great, you can do whatever. 66% of people still battle that thought, which means seven of 10 folks are saying, I don't think I matter. I don't think I'm necessary. So once we impact the necessity of them, we let them know you are a miracle that's necessary today to bring forth more miracles, then that's an addiction that most people want to have. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. I feel like I could talk to you forever. (laughs) I'm serious. Like I adore you. I adore you, but we are out of time. Oh my gosh. Um, it's crazy, (laughs) crazy. Um, first of all, I have one, one follow-up one final question. So I like to ask my guests, what is something they do in their 24 hours, like on a daily basis, either a habit a practice that you go to and you say, this impacts my health, happiness, and success daily. And I do this thing. So what is something that you do in your 24 hours that makes it great? Control what I listen to. Oh, that's good. That's Control good. Control what I listen to. Every single day, 
I control what I listen to. And let me tell you what are the triggers for knowing when I need to add something in. So every single morning when I wake up, I listen to a 10 minute meditation right away. And for those of you that are rolling your eyes at me, like, ah, it's obvious she ain't got no kids. Wake up 10 minutes earlier. Like give yourself ding, that ding, gift. Ding. Thank you. I got kids. <laughs> give yourself that gift. You know. But whenever, so the average human brain, uh, ha- over 60,000, I want to say of our thoughts a day are, are programmed toward negative. So we yes. have a predilection towards stinking thinking. So the moment that my thoughts get stinky, I turn on something that helps me shift that and allows me to just reframe. I don't turn on someone who's preaching at me over motivating me or barking at me. I turn on something simple like on my calm app that might just play ocean sounds or something like that. Mm. That allows me to think about what I've been thinking about and then release it. If it no longer works for me, or reinforce it and make it stronger if I need it to fuel me to make a decision that's fatiguing me. So that's what I do. I control what I listen to. Again, not preaching. Yeah. Not over-motivating. Not, you got to be hungry. Go hard or go home. (laughs) There are days for that, but there are times I don't want that. I just need to hear myself and I need to give myself the gift of that that oxygen in, in my day. And I do that. And it can take you one to three minutes and you complete, can completely reset. Oh, I love it. I love it. Allison, thank you so much. Wait, where in the South are you from? I'm from Texas. Texas. Okay. I'm from Georgia. Yeah. When you said stinking thinking, I was like, oh, I know that language. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Texas. I moved to LA last year, but I'm from Texas. So oh, yeah. that's good. All right. <laughs> well, tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and, and stay in touch with all you're doing. Oh my gosh. I'm a super fan of um, Instagram. I love the gram. If you're a grammar, DM me, let me know. Like I love the gram. My team supports me on all platforms from LinkedIn to Facebook to all of that. But on Instagram, I live there. I live in stories. Um, I'm always writing a really great story for you every single day. I actually write the story. So I'm put an entire theme. I put theme music. I do the whole thing on Instagram. Yeah. I take my Instagram stories really seriously (laughs) and run it like a visual blog. And I love that. So I would say, hit me up on the gram. Just make sure you spell my name right. And you don't invert the letters and you'll find me. (laughs) Well, thank you, Allison. This was great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the same 24 hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.